Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Now, church, listen. As we come to chapter 6, we come to a section in the book of Revelation that is known or basically deals with the time known as um, the tribulation. That's what it is. We're talking about the tribulation. Now, chapter 6, starting here, it starts a really dark period in history. Okay? This is the beginning of the action part. This is, oh my goodness, this is what's happening and because uh, today we're going to see four riders, um, and they're going to be on horses, and they're going to bring evil tidings upon the earth. And we will see in all of this that there is purpose there to the judgments that God deals on the earth. Okay? So up until now, we're, we're, we're still in the time of Gentiles. We're still in the church age. And so all of a sudden, when the, when the tribulation takes place, this is it. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you're taking notes, guys, in this section, there are horrific details on what's going to happen when God pours out his wrath on a world that rejected him. Okay? This is what's going to happen. Now, let's, let me, let me quickly review, guys. Let me quickly review. In chapter one, we discovered the vision of the Lamb in glory. John says, whoa, this is amazing. In chapter two and three, we learned about the seven churches of the Lamb of God. We studied them. We walked with them. We've got all kinds of amazing insights. In chapters 4 and 5, we saw a glimpse of heaven. We saw the glory of the Lamb in heaven before the throne. And that really warmed my heart. Now, again, like I said, I don't want to get off base because in chapters nine, 6 to 19 before, we're going to see the wrath of the Lamb of God. But again, like I said, I'm sitting at my desk. I'm just doing that. And, and uh, Pastor Sof sends me this video and, and, and it just was, it, it was, it was so amazing because in the video, guys, they were given a, and they called it like an ankle bracelet, but they had it on their hand and their hand transmitted to their phone. And it all had to do with the vaccine. It all had to do with, with the whole COVID situation. And, 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 and if you're a, if you're a student of scripture, you, you automatically went, whoa, growing up, guys, I remember in 1970s, 1979, there was the, 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 the movie called A Thief in the Night. And I remember the thief in the night, they said the mark of the end of the, of the Antichrist was, it looked like a tattoo. It was like a bzzz, and, and that's kind of how we thought in because we didn't have the technology. But now, it's just, it's amazing. And it's all there but it seems hidden in plain sight. But I love the fact that we got to see the glory of the Lord in heaven before we see what's going to happen on earth. So as we go to chapter 6 through 19, guys, I first draw your attention, jot this down if you're taking note, and the reason I want you to take notes, guys, is because when we're raptured, maybe somebody can, can, can grab this, okay? Here's the first thing. I want you to realize that God is merciful even when he pours out his righteous judgment on a world that has rejected him. Okay? Now, here's the thing. You and I, we're here on a Wednesday night. We're giving, we gave our lives to the Lord. We're saved. We're ready to go home. I mean, this thing is happening, right? It could happen today. It could happen in the next five seconds. I mean, this is happening. We're ready to go. But you realize, do you realize in the amount of the population on the earth, how many go, no, thank you. I don't believe. I, I believe in a higher power. I'm just not sure what that is. I believe in my own spirituality. I believe that I'm spiritual and I'm my own God. I mean, this is, the, and I'm just like, no. We live, guys, in such a close quarters of, of, of Christianity that we forget there is a huge world out there that has rejected my Jesus. And, and I, guys, it's like, wow. And yet, even in that, he is merciful as he pours out, pours out these judgments. And you go, well, how's that, Pastor Ben? 
Well, if you're taking note, you will notice, guys, that God's judgment are progressive in intensity. It's one of those like, hey, wake up. Hey. And, but, but by the end, it's like, whoa. Whoa. When you go, well, what do you mean? Okay. So we're going to start off, guys, with seven seals. And each of these seals, and they're not seals like a seal, you know, like a seal. They're, they're like a seal that you peel off, okay? And what happens is they're gonna, they're gonna, the, the, they're gonna each have a judgment on there. A judgment upon the earth. Okay? The seven seals will usher seven trumpet judgments. You guys got that? There's gonna be seven trumpet judgments. Those seven trumpet judgments are gonna usher what we call the seven final judgments. These are gonna be bowls for wrath poured out on the world. This, guys, is a complete judgment of earth by God. Okay? When that last bowl is poured out, God is finished judging. Jesus is going to return, and he's going to usher in what we call the millennial kingdom. And that is a thousand years of unbelievable peace. Where my Jesus is going to be sitting in the throne in Jerusalem and no, we will have no other government but God. But that's happening. Now I look at Rosa here and I realize, Rosa, we can't fathom that. We've only been alive a few, uh, a few decades. We've, we've only kind of seen some things. We have history. Can you imagine Ruling and reigning with God for a thousand years. That's going to be incredible. Well, Pastor, I can't even think about what I'm going to do tomorrow, much less a thousand years. Okay, but we'll, we'll get back to that, okay? But in order to get there, here's what we got to do. We all have a plan and a purpose, and our plan and a purpose is to bring as many people to Jesus as we can. And so what we got to do is we got to talk and we got to look at what Scripture has already said. This is what's going to happen. This is the wrath of God. This is the wrath of the Lamb. If you recall, do you remember John looks and he looks at a, a lamb? He's thinking of lion, the lion of Judah, but he turns and he sees a lamb that was completely slain. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so what do I want to do? Because we're a Bible teaching fellowship, guys, I want to give you a chronological development. Okay? Chapter six, okay, it opens with the seven seals. That's chapter six. Chapter seven, there's an interruption. We call it a parenthesis, which gives us information to fill the gaps. Now, here's what you need to know about Revelation. There's one minute we're in heaven. This is what's going on in heaven. And the next scene is going to be down on earth. But all the while, the Apostle John uses symbolism. And so we have to dissect that. We have to see what's really going on. Okay? Because he's going to tell us that there's going to be horses coming. And I don't think we're literally going to see a horse, you know, the color of the horse come, as well as what's behind it. And so we have to understand that. In chapters 8 and 9, the, the chronology continues, but with the trumpet judgments, okay? So now you have the trumpet judgments, and those are going to get a little more harder. And then chapters 12 through 15, there's another interruption. Then the chronology resumes with the bull judgments. And in chapter 17 and 18, we have another parenthesis, which is a special information given. And then in chapter 19, that's the conclusion of all the chronological events in the tribulation period. It's all going to take place for seven years. Now, we know this. We at Calvary Chapel believe that we are going to be raptured. Boom, we're out of here. We don't know how long it's going to be from the rapture of the church to when the tribulation starts. It could be a matter of months. It could be a matter of years. We just don't know. But we do know we, we want to go home. We want to be with Jesus and this is what's going to happen on the earth. Now, this is a heavy subject, but here's what I want you to write down, okay? The only comfort we have tonight is knowing we're not going to be here. That's the only comfort. Oh, praise God. Because the Bible says that we are not appointed unto wrath, and this is the wrath of God poured out on the world. 
But we are, we are appointed to obtain salvation. This is a time that's going to be so radical that you don't want to be here. I grew up all my Christian life, yeah, man, I just, hell's going to be great. I'm going to party with those in hell. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is, this is going to be crazy. Think about this. When we look at our world today, it's hard to believe that it could get any worse. It's hard to believe. You go, dude, chill out, bro. The world's not that bad. I mean, we all still have our jobs. We're all eating three squares a day. Come on, man. It's okay. No, no, no. It's going to get worse. You don't see what's happening behind the scenes. It is going to get worse. It is going to get worse. And it reminded me of a little illustration here. It was about a man who who went into a toy store and he saw this toy and it looked really complicated. So there he is and he's looking at this toy and he goes, what is that? He asked the clerk. And the guy says, well, it's a new um, educational toy. It's supposed to teach kids about life and prepare them to cope and adjust to the new, what they call adjust living in the modern world. He goes, really? Well, what does it do? He goes, no matter how you put it together, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And you go, what does that mean? Well, think about the world this way. No matter who's trying to put the world back together, it's just not going to work. Just not going to work. But when Jesus comes, guys, that's going to work. It will come together when he returns. But prior to his coming, guys, things are going to get very dark. And let me just say this. The Lord doesn't pull any punches in warning men about this time. Okay? He doesn't pull any punches. Now, before we jump into our text, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you before. Hold your place here in Revelation and turn over to Matthew chapter 24. We have studied Matthew 24 so many times, but... There's something significant here, okay? I have studied Matthew 24 so many times, and now there's even more being illuminated. You go, how so? Well, let's go through. Matthew 24, guys. Um, I want to show you some remarkable similarity between the progress here of chapter 6 and how that ties in, okay, to Matthew 24, 4 through 31. Now, we're not going to go through all of it. I just want you to see that. So have your Bibles ready. Have your Bibles ready to highlight. You guys know what's going on. It says, now Jesus sat in the Mount of Olives. Disciples came to him saying, tell us when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming and what will be the end of the age? So this is what they're talking about, okay? Now, I draw your attention to verse 4. And Jesus answered and he said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am... What's that word? The Christ. Okay? And will deceive many. That's key. Okay? Now, here's what I love about God's word. Guys, listen. God's word is so amazingly shallow that a kid can play in it. Okay? It's like a, it's a shallow pool, but it's so deep that an elephant can drown in it. And so if we'll just dissect it just a little bit, why? Because when we look at this verse, we go, hey, 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 make sure nobody deceives you, Amanda. Make sure. Don't let anybody deceive you. And the man goes, okay, so I'm going to keep my spiritual tuners up, if you will. I'm going to make sure, but it's so much deeper. Why? Because back in the day when Jesus said this, there were already people coming saying they were the Christ. Hey, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't. He's the Messiah. And he says this, guys. He says, make sure, take heed, listen up, that nobody deceives you. You go, okay, so what does that mean? Well, in the Greek, it's the word plano, P-L-A-N-A-O. And here's what it means, to roam from safety or truth, to go astray, to deceive, to err, to seduce, to wander, to be out of the way. That's what he's saying. Make sure you're not seduced. Make sure you don't go out of the stray. Make sure you don't just go, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And look at verse 6 and 7. He says, and you will hear wars 
and rumors of war. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There's that idiom we've been talking about in on Sunday mornings. There's that idiom. Okay, this is the beginning of the 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 the, the sequence to the tribulation. This is the birth pain. But he says this: nation's going to rise. We go, yep, yep. We see that today. And there will be famines. Everybody see that? I want you to circle that in your Bible. There's famines. And he says, and there's going to be pestilences and earthquakes in various places. Okay? So what's the first thing he tells us? There's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. And in verse 7, he says there's going to be what? Famines. Famines. That's what Jesus is telling him. There's going to be famines. And then he goes on, right? And I'm going to tie it into chapter 6. He says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. And then they will deliver you up to tribulation, kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So he says, not only are there famines, not only are there pestilences. Did you see what pestilences are? Those are plagues. Those are viruses. Those are things that we've, that's going to happen. And he says, not only that, there's going to be death. And in verses 9 and 10, guys, he says there's going to be martyrdom. You're going to, you're going to die. You're going to die. This is what he's saying. Now, jump with me to verse 29. Verse 29 says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. So he's going to tell us that the, the sun is going to be darkened, the moon is going to be darkened, and we're going to see stars falling all over the place. This is what he's talking about, right? So in Matthew 24, without really digging deep, there's been several um, man amazing interpretations where we can grab application. And, and now we're going to see how it ties in to Revelation chapter 6. So say goodbye to Matthew. Come back to Revelation. Keep those in mind. Okay? Death, famine, pestilences. Think all of that in there. Okay? War. This is what we're going to talk about today. Okay? Revelation chapter 6. Now, before we break down each verse, and we're only going to cover eight tonight. Okay? Before we break down, let me just give you some observations. May I do that, please? You go, yes, sir. First, it's important to note this scene is going to take place on earth. It originates from heaven. Jesus opens the seal on the scroll. He dispatches an, an angel. And as a result, the rider appears on the scene. Now, guys, your attention. Look at me for a second. John had to write in symbolism or else Nero would have freaked out. Even though it wasn't have anything to do on Nero's time, yet it's our timetable. He says, okay, Jesus is going to open the seal. He's going to dispatch a rider. Now, you and I are not going to see an actual rider coming from heaven. But we are going to see what's happening, and we can see exactly what that is. Okay, so he paints a picture here, guys. He paints a picture. The second thing that we need to notice, and it's important to note. You go, what's that, Ben? is that this is not a series of haphazard events. Oh, this isn't. There are a purpose to all of this. There's a purpose to all of this. What God does, he does on purpose. Amen? Reminds me of a kind of a funny story about a cowboy. And since we're in West Texas, you'll get a kick out of this. There was a cowboy, guys, who was applying for some insurance. He was being interviewed by the agent who asked... If he had any accidents, you know how they do. Do you have any accidents? The cowboy replied, no, I haven't had any accidents. Though a steer kicked me in the ribs once and broke two of my ribs. And a rattlesnake bit me in the ankle. The agent replied, well, wouldn't you call those accidents? The cowboy said, no, I think they did it on purpose. Everything is done as on purpose, guys. This is what God is doing. Well, what we're reading today is not an accident. There's a purpose to all of this. God is behind the scenes allowing these events to transpire. Now, what's going to happen here in reading this is going to result in the heart, is is going to produce two results in the heart of the people who, who understand and encounter this. Okay? One of them 
it's going to go, I need to be saved. The other result we're going to see. So let's look at these writers, guys. You ready? And see what they represent. We're jumping in. Here we go. Revelation chapter 6, picking it up in verse 1, he says this, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, that's Jesus, guys, and he heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Wow. Do you see what we just read? Okay? We are not, and I say we, we're going to be gone, but people on earth are not literally going to see a white horse coming out of heaven. But you understand, this is what John wrote. John says here, I was with Jesus. He opened the seal. They dispatched the angel, and here's what he saw. He said, I saw a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow. Notice, there's no arrow on the bow, just a bow. And he says, and he who sat on it, right? There was given to him a crown. Look at your Bibles, guys. Circle the word crown. Okay? And... He went out to conquer and conquer. Now you go, Ben, 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 Ben. Who is this? Because, well, let me give you two schools of thought. I'm going to present both schools so you understand, and then I'm going to share what, what we believe this verse is saying. Okay, first school. Some commentators will point to this and say, oh, this is Jesus. This is Jesus riding on a white horse to victory. This is the characteristic of the historical school of interpretation which regards revelation as history rather than prophecy. They take a step back and go, no, 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 that, that, that's not going to happen. So this has to be Jesus in victorious sense. That's what they do. However, some of the folks in this school regard the scene as future, as picturing Christ as the ultimate victor of the ages. See, he's coming. He's riding on a white horse. Well, this would mean, you guys with me? This would mean, if this is true, that Jesus would come back right at the beginning of the tribulation. If, if Right? This is, this is how... Now, now, think about this. That's the first school. Now, the second school, most everyone I read believe this to be the prince that shall come. You go, who's that? Well, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, he who is head up to revive, to, to, to revive the Roman Empire was ultimately going to become the world ruler. Okay, so, so stay with me. You're not going to see a white horse coming out of heaven. Don't, don't picture that. But you're going to see a one who's going to be coming out of the revived Roman Empire. You go, where's the revive? It could be, oh, there's just so much. I can't even get into that, but it's going to be that. And he's going to be the world ruler. Now, what I believe we have here in verse 1 and 2 is what I would call a triumphant counterfeit. He's counterfeiting. You go, what do you mean? Well, think about this. Think about the way it counterfeits. If you and I were going to go to the store and try to pass off a $20 bill that had the face of, of Bill Clinton on it or, uh, or Obama or any one of those, right? This is my 20. You're not going to get very far. They're going to, they're going to call the cops on you right away, right? You don't really, that's not how you, you really want to pass off some counterfeit money. What would you do? You would try to make it look exactly as the real thing as possible. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. You would not go into a store with Monopoly money. You would make money look as real as possible if you're going to counterfeit it. Okay? You're going, okay. Here's what I want you to write down, guys. Write down the word anti. You go, why? What does that mean? Anti, guys, means against. But it also means just like. So when we say the anti-Christ, it means it's he's going to be against Christ in every way. We have the anti-Christ spirit on earth. 
when people reject Jesus as Savior, when, when nationally known celebrities stand up and say, oh, no, 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 there's many ways to go to heaven. There's a lot of ways to go the way. There's many paths. No, no, no. The Bible says that Jesus is the only path. But here's where their eyes are blinded, right? Corinthians, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that they're, the God of this age is blinding their minds, and, and they don't see that. And a lot of people, guys, are saying to you and I, well, if I don't believe it, then it must, then I'm not worried about it. It doesn't exist. If I don't believe there's a God, then he doesn't exist. And that's like saying, I don't believe there's a son. Does that mean it doesn't exist? No, of course not. The son exists. You see it. But their minds are blind. Listen to me, church. Listen, there's only a few of us in here, but listen to me. Listen, with all of my heart, I'm telling you, we are walking in the final days of of the Word of God. We really are. And, And it seems like it's accelerating faster than I could even imagine. You won't be able to travel pretty soon. I digress. We'll get back into that in just a little bit. So, anti, it means against, but it also means, guess ready? It means just like. So this anti-Christ that comes on the scene. Now, I heard Greg Laurie say today, guys, we're not supposed to be looking for the anti-Christ. Let's make sure we point people to Jesus Christ. Because he's coming no matter what. But this guy is going to be very much like Christ. And he's going to try to be like him so much, but he's going to what? Remember that? How did you circle that word deceive? He's going to try to deceive the nations. The Antichrist, Satan himself, doesn't care about anyone. He's a liar. Nothing he says is true. And all he wants to do is take as many people to hell with him as possible. So the first seal is opened up, guys. There is such a good counterfeit that many commentators have mistaken this writer for Jesus. You go, why? Because they say, hey, look, he's riding on a white horse. And you guys remember the good old westerns, right? Do you remember that? The good guys had the white horse and the bad guys had the black horse. Do you remember that? And they had the white hat and and, and the bad guys were always in a black horse and a black hat. Well, again, this is counterfeit. You go, why? Well, Hold your finger on in chapter 6. Just move a little bit to the right. Look at verse, um, look at chapter 19. Look at chapter 19, picking it up in verse 11. Now this we know is Jesus. How so? He says, now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat was called faithful and true and righteous and he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and his head were, had many crowns. Remember I told you to circle the word crown. This is crowns. This is plural. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dripped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white, clean, followed him on white horses. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. With that, he would strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. And he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name that was written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, when we read this, there is no question, guys, that this is Jesus. The very first thing he says, he is called faithful and true. Title only given to Jesus. Plus, he matches the vision in chapter 1. He has eyes of flame of fire and out of his mouth a sharp two-edged sword. The Bible also says that he has crowns. Okay? Now, note the contrast. Jesus is wearing many crowns, diadems, if you will. That is the crown of the sovereign ruler. In chapter 6, it says the writer is wearing one crown. It, and that word is... is um, Stephanos, Stephanos. It's a temporary crown to the victor. But this writer in chapter six, listen to me closely, 
is given a crown. Now, here's what I want you to see. Guys, go to your Bible, circle that word crown, and then put a little arrow because it is a symbol of political power. Wait a minute. Are you saying... That's exactly what I'm saying. Guys, this guy is going to have huge political power. No. 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 Guys, it was back in January 2020. The world seemed normal. Nathalie in the kitchen, she came up to me and she goes, hey, have you heard this thing called the coronavirus? And I said, no, I haven't heard that. I mean, she goes, man, they're in Wuhan, China. It's, it's just, it's got, it seems like it's getting out of control. It's, it's really bad. People are dying. And I'm like, Nathalie, you know, hey, take it down a notch. I mean, nobody's dying. And, and she just, she goes, no, look, you've got to see this. And I, I, and here's what I said. I said, you know what? The, our government won't let that happen to us. In a month, we were closed. Done. And I, I had to apologize to her. She was like, you, you need to see this. And I was like, no, but here's the point, guys. Here's the point. Sometimes we trust in our government. And now this guy is going to have a symbol of political power. Unbelievable. How do we fight government? So how do we fight the big government? We have to do what they say. They have, we have to do what, okay, well, I'll comply, I'll comply. If it's, if it's for the sake, and, and, and think about this with just take what we've been through this past year and multiply that 10, 20 fold. That's the kind of power he's going to have. Wow. That's the crown, guys. That's the crown. That's why I want you to circle it, right? Well, well, back to Jesus. Okay, back to Jesus. He, he was his robe is going to be dripped in blood, guys, and that speaks of his death. Back in Revelation chapter nineteen, and he comes with a sword. Now, in Revelation six, let me show you the contrast. This guy comes with a bow, not a sword, a bow. Fifth, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus is is sporting this awesome tat on his leg, right? I mean, it's amazing. Paul, in Philippians chapter 2, declares the day is coming when everyone is going to bow and declare Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. In Revelation 19, guys, the church is with Jesus. But the writer here in Revelation 6, he comes for war, for famine, and death. So I believe that this writer in Revelation 6 is not the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Antichrist. Now, let me just say this. If things, okay, my let me just give you my opinion. I'm not, I'm not standing by here. This is my opinion. I'm on the side of the pulpit. I believe that the Antichrist is alive today. I believe he's out there somewhere in the world. Now, we don't know. We don't know him. But I, I don't think it's like, I mean, we're that close. He's not making any noise. Because when it happens, okay? So you, you go, ben, ben, I'm with you. Now, Ben, why do you believe this is the Antichrist? Well, I believe he's a false Christ and he's a counterfeit Christ. Why? Because the world today, and even today, Amanda, they're desperately looking for a rider on a white horse. They're looking for salvation. They're looking. Can we be real at church? We're looking, we're looking to get back to normal is what we're looking for. We're looking for things to just go back the way they were. We're looking for things to go back to pre, uh, you know, back in 2019 where we could go to, to, to basketball games and we could go to movies and we could go to concerts. We, nobody's been to, I mean, I mean, we're looking for that. We're looking for a, a, a type of savior. Wait a minute. Do you think that vaccine? No, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. I'm telling you what we're looking for because we've been, we've been, 
out of our comfort zone for a long time now? I remember sitting there and I was thinking, I remember when they told us last year at this time, hey, we're going to close down, we're going to flatten the curve, and Amma's all for flattening the curve. We shut down the church. Nathalie cried on the way home. And I thought literally by June or July we would be back to normal. How many of you agreed with me? You thought, okay, we'll be back. We'll, we'll, we'll still have a remnants of it, but we'll be. And, and so June came, July, August, September. See, you, you understand. I want you now, okay, so take that mindset of what we've been through. You've all been through it. Okay, some of you have had COVID, but consider this. You hear the trumpet sound, mass chaos. It's been estimated that that one billion people will go missing. Think about that around the world. Okay, one billion people. The world is going to be a state of panic and shock. Guess what's going to happen? We might see some rioting, you go, of course, some looting, robberies, some burning down of buildings. Guys, think about what the world is going to be like. Think about how crazy it's going to get. We will, in an instant, help me so if you know this, we will financially collapse. Because if I'm not here to pay my house, if you're not here to pay your cars, if you're not here to we will financially collapse. Moment. Boom. You would think you're going to go to the bank. Oh, I I got left behind. I'm going to go to the bank and get my money. You will have no money. Bank doesn't have your money. You understand that, right? It's all numbers. It's all smoke and mirrors. You're going to go. And the bank's going to go closed. Sorry. Ben, Ben, why are you telling this? Well, here's what I want to paint. Here's the picture I want to paint, right? Do you guys think how long it's going to take to get things cleaned up? The World Trade Center, when that collapsed, guys, guys, it took over a year to clean up the mess. And the world here is going to go nuts. Then a man is going to appear on the scene. And he's going to have some answers. And he's going to have some solutions. Do you realize, church, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if God's giving this to me or not, but on the news the other day, there has been an increase of UFO sightings. You ever hear that? There has been an, they're like, man, we're seeing them all over. They're all, all these, I mean, all these, where did, yeah, back in the 80s, we're like, dude, what's that? That's a UFO. And then we had that, but then they kind of went away. And then now, but I'm thinking, what if the answer is, hey, where did Rosa go? UFO got her. Yeah, she dipped. Yep, came down, took her. What if, I'm being silly, but you know what I'm saying. What if the answer, where, where did everybody go? Another another possibility, Mother Earth, just spit them out, pfft, done. They were all the troublemakers. No, 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 we're the ones trying to beautify the earth. We didn't throw trash. We picked up trash. Mother Earth. I mean, I just don't know what answers he's going to give, guys. I don't know what he's going to do. What solutions is he going to give? What's the one thing that we're going to be hurting for immediately? Money. And what if the Antichrist comes in? I'm not, I'm not saying he is, but what if the Antichrist comes in and he offers you a stimulus? Hey, I know people are gone. I know you lost your loved ones, but here, let, 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 the, let the government help you. Let the world government come in and take care of you. Do you trust us? I'm so sorry that you lost your mom and your dad. I'm so sorry that you... But we'll help. We're here to help. We're here to help. Church, listen to me. And I say this with as much love as I can. There are so many people out there who really believe that there are smarter people that have, that are, that are, that have more knowledge about your own health than you. 
And we just kind of go, hey, they went to school for five years. They should know what's really good for me. And they don't even question nothing. And that scares me. That scares me. You have to make your own decisions, but don't just do it blindfolded. Think about it. So this guy comes on the scene. What's he going to do? Well, let's bring everybody together. Let's bring everybody together. Now, think about this, okay? Get in your minds. The world has collapsed. Completely messed up. A mess. What are some good terms that we could, we could, we could be positive, right? Well, how about this, Yvonne? We messed up the world. How about we just have a great reset? Let's just reset everything. Let's just go back. That could be one. Or how about this? If the world has collapsed, how about we build back better? You see, I'm going to introduce those terms to you now. But to us, we're not even going to be here, so that's okay. But the people who are here are going to go, yeah, we need to build back better. You and I know that's the tribulation. So what's this man going to be like? Guys, think about this. This man, whoever he is, he's going to have the charisma of JFK. He's going to have the oral skills of Winston Churchill. He's going to have the determination as a Joseph Stalin, the vision of a Karl Marx, the respectability of a Gandhi, the military powers of a Douglas MacArthur with the charm of Will Rogers. And he's going to appear like the real deal. But in reality, people are going to find out that he is a big counterfeit. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, guys, he's going to have great words and great ideas. And people are going to think, wow, what a wonderful guy. They're going to be impressed. But they're going to end up to be one big deception. As a matter of fact, if you're taking note, I want you to jot this down because Jesus actually, he, he made a remarkable prediction when he, when he spoke to Israel. In John chapter 5, verse 43, he says, I have come in my Father's name, and you don't receive me. If another comes in his name, him you will receive. That's exactly it. The world is going to receive him. Now, think about this, guys. What's he going to do? He's going to set up a one-world government. And out of that one-world government, he's going to take ten nations to rule the world. Ten nations that specialize in climate control. Ten nations that specialize in artificial intelligence. Ten nations that, that specialize in finances. Ten nations that specialize in population control. One of those nations... You're going, no way. Yeah. And what he's going to do, guys, is he's going to establish a global currency. A global currency. I really am surprised the dollar hasn't gone away. The cash dollar. It was for a little bit. Do you guys remember we went through a time there where it was like, we have a change? How did we have a change shortage? People have buckets of change at their house all over the world. We have a change. We can't give you change. And then, if you go to a car wash here in town, they don't accept cash. No, you got to use your card. The car wash. But all of your millions in the bank are not going to be worth anything once it turns into a global currency. So what happens, guys? The first part of the the first part of the first three and a half years. Things are gonna, they're gonna just try to get back on their feet, right? We gotta fix things. We gotta band together. Come on, let's all, let's all, you need to do your part. Now here's the thing. Think about this. First three and a half years, you're not here, but neighbors are gonna turn against neighbors. Because they're gonna say, you're not doing your part. Come on, we, we've got to, we gotta follow, we gotta get the world back. I don't know what happened to those people, but they're gone. You're not doing your part. If, Somebody gets left behind. Now, I believe there's going to be a huge revival because there's a lot of people walking the fence right now. Okay? There's going to be huge. They're going to go, oh, my goodness. They were right. My sister was right. My aunt was right. Oh, my goodness. My, my mom was right. They're going to get saved. Amen? 
these are going to be the people that are not going to follow and, and get in line with what the Antichrist is going to do. But guess who's going to turn them in? Listen, my neighbor out there, he's not, he's not complying. In that video that Soph sent me, eye-opening, if, if you got the vaccine, you go to this line. If you don't, you go to that line. What? What if in the in, in, in this time, hey, you're not complying with this? Come with us. And they take you to a place where you and everybody else like you. But here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible says this. Listen to me. that You're going to have to give your life at that time. And it'll be smooth. It'll be like, hey, listen, we don't want to hurt you. We don't want to have to kill you. All you have to do is take the mark. All you have to do is just join us. Just do what we tell you to do. No, I don't want to. Okay, well, unfortunately, we got to take your head. It's going to be a lot more dramatic than that, but you guys get the point. Okay? The Antichrist is going to bring stability, but it's only going to be short-lived. Okay? Now, let me give you a reference. Okay, I want you to reference this because you guys are, are, are amazingly brilliant. Think about the time before, before World War II. Okay? Do you realize that people were convinced that Hitler was into peace? Neville Chamberlain, the Prime Minister of Britain, met with Hitler almost a year before World War II started. And he returned to Britain. He said, man, this guy's full of peace. Until he found out that was just a lie. The same thing's going to happen of this man. He's going to come in the name of peace. Listen, I just want to bring everybody together. He's going to deceive many. But he's going to knock out all those of the way who oppose him. And he will have no choice but resort to war himself in order to preserve his power and his authority. You know, what do you mean? Out of the ten nations, you guys remember, he's going to knock off three of them. Three of them are going to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, we didn't sign up for this. He's going to go, you're out. And he's going to result in what? War. So the seven are going to go against the three. Now, I don't know what, yeah, hopefully you and I are in heaven are partying, right? We're at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're not worried about what's going on on earth, but he's given us a preview. So let's just say we are a fly on the wall and we're going to see this, we're going to see this incredible war happen from 10 and we're going, it's in the Bible. But what do you think the first thing he's going to do if it hasn't already happened? He's going to take away the word of God. He's going to take away the word of God. After the rapture, there will be no Bible. It will be a crime if a Bible is found in your possession. Because you'll have the answers. You'll know what's going to happen. So, the opening of the first seal, man, there's the Antichrist. Look at verse 3, guys. He said, when they opened the second seal, I heard a second living creature saying, come and see. And then another horse, guess what color, guys? Fiery red went out. And it was granted to him who sat on it to take peace from the earth that the people should kill one another, and was given to him a great sword. So now you have a fiery red horse, right? Which is, guys, it is war and bloodshed. You need to understand it. Fiery red. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle the word for, um, he's going to give a great sword. I want you to see that. Great sword. Why? Underline it, circle it, highlight it, but you can write next to this. This is an assassin sword. This is not just a sword. This is an assassin sword. You go, what do you mean? The red horseman, the Antichrist, is coming against those who oppose him. Okay? So, notice, although John says, here's the seal. These are judgment. Same fella. Same fella coming in in progression. And it was granted to him that he would take peace from the earth. So there will be no peace that people should kill each other. And the sword is considered an instrument used to kill. In Revelation, we have a red horse of war. 
Then we have the red dragon. We'll see that later. And then we're going to see the red beast in chapter 17. Note that God gives Antichrist authority to take peace from the earth. And this is all part of a divine plan. The Antichrist will exchange his arrowless bow. Remember, he didn't have an arrow for the sword. For the sword. And men begin to kill each other. This indicates very clearly that the methods of an international agreement and diplomacy will not bring lasting peace. You go, wow. Wow. I started thinking and meditating, and I don't have much time because we're running out of time even tonight. I started thinking and meditating, guys, on what that sword could be. Because I don't think we're going to go up and have a sword and just be, you know, hey, I'm killing you and you're killing me and we're having sword fights. You understand that. But what could the sword be that was given to kill people? Because we haven't got to the mark yet. That's chapter 13. What could the sword be? Well, in verse 5, he says, and he opened a third seal. And I heard a third living creature say, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Guess what the third seal is, guys? Famine. Famine, which usually follows the war. Okay? Now, Here's what you need to circle. Circle the word for scales because that means the rationing of food. The rationing of food right here. Okay? So the rider, still the Antichrist, holds a pair of balances indicating, check this out, his government has established the control of food. And so I got to thinking, what are some ways that his government can control food supplies? The one, you can write this down. It's on there. It's up. I looked it up. Uh, guys, it's the, it's the uh, New Green Deal or the Green New Deal, whatever, you, whatever it is. Um, and what it is, and I wrote this down, it's a sweeping attempt to reorient energy production and, sift, and shift public resources in an urgent bid to make the U.S. carbon neutral by 2030. So well, that's what they want to do. They can control food. Another one, guys, I found is, is farmland owner Bill Gates. Do you realize that he owns 242,000 acres in farmland? Guys, 18, 19 states, he, he has farmland in it. You go, why would he do that? Why would the owner, the, the, the inventor of Microsoft, the billionaire, want farmland? Well, Gates' food investments align with the World Economic Forum's plans for the reset of food. More genetic modification, less meat. It's all in the name of sustainability, alleviating hunger, and fighting climate change. That's what he says. There's just a couple of ways, but I bet we could think of many more. That's going on now. That's going on now. Makes you want to go out and just have a steak, doesn't it? We just want to have a steak. Let's go have a steak. In that day, guys, normally a day's wage, a denarius, would buy 10 quarts of wheat and 30 quarts of barley. But during this famine, you're only going to get one quart of wheat and three quarts of barley, one-tenth of the normal supply of food. Wow. But even when the famine strikes, guys, during this time, it's going to get even worse, even more devastating. Can you imagine? Can you imagine for just a second? I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on, okay? But can you imagine you work all week, you get your paycheck, and it, and it doesn't buy any food? Well, I don't care, Pastor. I'm going to get some land, and I'm going to uh, raise my own farm. I'm going to farm my own. They're not going to let you. That's going to be part of this whole plan, that you will not be able to farm or have any of that. What about the children that are born during that time? What are they going to hate? You can't tell me that a mother 
would not sacrifice even her eternity to make sure that her baby eats. Well, what happens next, guys? Well, the result of war, that's happening. Famine, the next seal is death. Look at verse 7 and 8. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I look, and behold, a pale horse. So we've had what? We've had a white horse. We've had a black horse. Now we have this pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed him. And the power was given him to what, guys? For over one-fourth of the earth to kill with a sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. So God says, okay, you have authority to kill one-fourth of the earth's population. And he's going to use four methods. What are they? The sword, which is violence and war. Okay, now, stay with me. When the rapture takes place, a lot of people are going to die. We'll have runaway cars. We'll have, I mean, a lot of people are going to die. There are a lot of people who will die strictly from a heart attack in the stress of it all. You understand that there's a lot of people who just, it's just overwhelming and they will die. So we'll have a lot, there'll be a lot of death. But this is specific to war, okay? Hunger. We, guys, we live in a country that throw away, we throw away more food. We're going to be in a place where, man, think about it. We won't be able to buy anything. And I know what it's doing. It's going, you can say, I'm going to the grocery store after church. <laughs> I'm going to get as much food. I'm going, to, I'm going to eat something. But think about that, right? And then, and then here's another one, right? So you'll have famine. But he says, but, but, but death is going to come in pestilence, which is disease accompanies with war and famine. What other pestilences could we have? And then this one trips me out. He says, oh, by the way, in beasts. And you're like, what? Yeah, here's the thing. Nature's going to take over when civilization, when civilization falls apart, right? So death comes knocking. One quarter of the earth population is gone. If we estimate there's about 4 billion people on earth right now, and after the rapture, 1 billion are going to lose their lives by the sword, by hunger, by death, by natural causes, and by these beasts. You go, what beasts are you talking about? Well, when we think of beasts, we think that these lions are going to be rolling through the streets or, or these tigers, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my, right? But see, they're not the most destructive. Do you know what the most destructive is? Rats. Yeah, I saw Yvonne. Yep, that's exactly it. See, the rats will follow the famine, and rats are clever, adaptable, and very destructive. Did you know that if you were to an area heavily populated with rats and destroyed 97% of the rat population, it would only take one year for it to replace itself with the only 3, 3% left? And rats have killed more people than all the wars in history. They carry as many as 35 diseases. Their fleas carry the bubonic plague, which has killed one-third of the population in Europe in the 14th century. So by opening the fourth seal, a quarter of the earth's population is going to be killed. Guys, think about it. It's going to be a fend for your Self. But what if, what if our government in days prior to the rapture and the tribulation take away our Second Amendment? We, those that are left behind, I say we, those that are left behind will have, will have no choice but to comply to the demands of the government. This this world leader. How are we going to follow a world leader, Bethany? How? Because you'll have other world leaders that say, we're going to do what he says, and it's across and it's called one world government globalization. 
I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but, but people will just take it. They'll just, they'll just take it. They'll go, okay, that's what we've got to do. This is what we've got to do to live because they cannot see spiritually in the flesh. But the purpose of this teaching, the purpose of revelation, is the Lord says, what's going to happen to your heart? You go, well, Ben, we're here Wednesday night. We're saved. Amen. Amen. You're saved. Okay? So now we're on mission. We're on mission. We've got to tell others about Jesus. We've got to get the gospel out. We've got to promote it. We've got to, we've got to promote the teaching of the word of God so people don't have a false gospel. We've got to teach the word of God. We've got to live it in our lives. We've got to live it in our lives. So as we close tonight, we're going to look, guys, we're going to look at the, we're going to look at the remaining verses next week. I mean, the, 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 this causes two reactions in our heart. Okay, but there's still some other horses to come. But here's what I want to leave you with. This is pretty heavy stuff, but let's not leave here without hope. You know why? Well, first and foremost, we won't be here. Okay? We've given our lives to Jesus. Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10 says, if we confess and believe in our heart, we'll be saved. I believe that. We're saved. We're saved. But what we talked about right here, chapter 6, guys, this is going down right now at the start of the tribulation. But what we cannot see, or what we can see, is not the great reset, but what we can see is actually the great setup. So people get ready. Jesus is coming soon. Now, every time I say that, people look at me and go, well, it could be, it could be five, it could be ten years. Listen, we're right there. We're so there. I am so excited. I'm so excited. We're right there. Ben? I got a question. What's that? What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? What if, what if, what if this is just a set? What if this is just the world we live in and the Lord's going to give us some grace and not come back for another 10 or 15 or 20 years. Let me tell you what I think. There were 10 people in Boulder, Colorado that won't have that chance. So if it's not the rapture of the church, it could be death because we're not promised tomorrow, are we? And so that's why I'm asking you to be right tonight. This is what prophecy does. Prophecy gets us going, okay, I need to be right with Jesus. I don't want to play around anymore. I don't want to flirt with sin in hopes that God would forgive me. I know he'll forgive me, but I want to be right. Amen. Father, thank you tonight for your word. Lord, wow, it was heavy, heavy. But I thank you for your spirit, God. Lord, I don't know what you want to teach us in this, but Lord, help us teach us, God, that... that um, what I've been saying the whole time, that we need to love each other, we need to encourage each other, we need to hug, we need to, Lord, we need to just um, smile, we need to be kind to each other. We need to know that, Lord, the very person that you meet at the grocery store tomorrow is who you want us to speak to, who you want us to share. In order for us to do that, God, we need to be we need to be filled with your spirit. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed and those watching online, I want to ask you a serious question. Are you saved? Are you do you know Jesus? Do you believe in an afterlife? Because Jesus paid the price so that we could be with him for eternity. And you don't have to go through this, but you have to surrender your life to him. And I know you may be watching online and you're saying, how, Pastor, what do I need to do? Guys, open up your heart and invite him inside.
believe in him, but believe not only in his death, but believe in his burial and his resurrection. Because that's where the hope comes. I don't know what to do, Pastor. Well, there's no magic formula. And there's no specific prayer you can pray. But you say, Lord Jesus, I believe. I am sorry for my sin. Come into my heart. I want to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to follow you forever. I give my life to you. If you prayed that prayer, man, tell somebody about it. Hey, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm a Christian now. And man, we'd love to help you. So God bless you guys. Have a great week. Don't forget Sunday, um, we're going to look at the 10. We're going to look at the 10 kingdoms that could be forming. Haven't seen them yet, but we're going to be there. Next week, come prepared. Revelation finished chapter 6. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.